If you're looking for a podcast about horses that speaks to your soul, Find Yourself on a Horse is the answer to your dreams. I'm Penny Hawes, also known as the Horsey Life Coach, and my goal in life is to help women transform their relationships with their horses and ultimately themselves one breath at a time. Hey, welcome to Find Yourself on a Horse, the podcast. I'm Penny Hawes, aka the Horsey Life Coach, and my mission is to help horsewomen deepen their relationship with their horses and ultimately themselves one breath at a time. I bring you a new episode each week covering all things horse-human relationship. Some of it's practical step-by-step strategies. Some of it might be what people call a little woo-woo, but that's nonetheless as effective as the practical stuff. This week, I'm going to chat a little bit about something that most women, whether or not we're horsewomen, are familiar with, and that's being our own worst enemy. Whether it's because we were raised to put our uh, put others first, but let me rephrase that and say it's because many of us were raised to put others first, that any time our thoughts wander into self-affirming territory, it sends a signal to our good old friend, our amygdala, who immediately tries to shut down that good thought. Now, our amygdala, which is the center of our brain that controls fight, flight, or freeze response, isn't actually a bad guy. It's just trying to keep us safe. And anything, even a good thing, that's out of the norm is going to set off alarm bells that we're leaving our safe zone and risking harm. Well, this type of thinking was really helpful when we were cave dwellers and relied on those signals from our amygdala to stay alive. Today, they've just become part of a narrative we're not even aware we're having with ourselves. So I'm going to cover three ways in which horsewomen are our own worst enemies, and then two helpful strategies for improving the relationship. So this first one is for all of you who tend to carry a lot of unearned guilt, like a lot of other women. What I find most horsewomen feel guilty about is not being good enough for their horse. They're too old. They're too busy. They're too cautious. They don't ride well enough. They don't groom their horse thoroughly every day. They don't feed that super expensive supplement that someone on a forum said that they should because, well, it's super expensive. Guilt can be a pain in the neck, but it can also be useful if you take the time to dig into it a bit. It can let us know where we may have unreasonable expectations about ourselves. Expectations like we should be able to afford anything that anyone suggests might be good for our horse. That expensive supplement, just because someone on a forum said you should get it, doesn't mean you should. Don't buy into other people's guilt. If you want to feel guilty about supplements, try having a 33-year-old horse. With Laddie, I could be spending hundreds of dollars on a supplement, on various supplements every month. But he's sound. He lives out. He's always got fresh water. He gets his teeth done, the teeth that he still has. He gets his feet trimmed. He really doesn't need anything other than the senior feed, hay stretcher, and senior weight supplement that I give him. Except when it's really hot, I give him electrolytes. Now, Laddie is 33, but he's happy and well cared for. And even though I might find myself trying other things if I had bottomless pockets, the truth is he doesn't need anything other than what he's getting right now. So here's a home truth 
there will always be people who spend more money on their horses than I do. And that's quite possibly true for you as well. So if you feel guilty because you don't feel good enough, stop and figure out your own definition of good enough and let that be your guide. Remember, perfection does not exist, but good enough does. The second thing that we tend to fall into is worrying. Now, worrying is similar to guilt, but it's about things that might happen rather than something that has happened or is happening, which is what guilt usually is. There's a saying, worrying means that you suffer twice, which you worry when you're worrying or you suffer when you're worrying and then you suffer again when and if the thing you're worrying about happens. But I found another uh, saying by Michelle de Montaigne, quote, there were many terrible things in my life and most of them never happened, end quote. Think about that one for a minute. Worrying destroys any happiness or peace you could find with your horse in the present moment. And unless you can affect the outcome of whatever it is you're worrying about, it's kind of pointless. Becoming a horse owner, kind of like becoming a parent, seems to activate the worry gene in us. Horses are big and fragile and expensive, and we love them dearly, but they do seem to have a knack for getting themselves into trouble. The thing is, when they do get into trouble, it's often so weird and just off the radar that you wouldn't have dreamed of it in a million years, nor would you have been able to prevent it. Now, I'm not saying don't be prepared. Obviously, make sure your barn and your fencing are safe and that you have your vet's phone number on speed dial and that you have at least a basic human first aid kit and a basic horse first aid kit on hand too. Now, I've created a printable human and equine first aid kit checklist to help you make sure that you're prepared with what you need right at hand. It's a free download and I put the link in the show notes. But please note, Make sure you have a discussion with your vet about what you should and shouldn't include in your first aid kit. The downloadable checklist is meant as a reference, not veterinary or medical advice. Number three on our we should stop doing this to ourselves list is overthinking. Now, this one's a little counterintuitive. Well, actually, it's a little convoluted because we have to think about what we're thinking in order to stop overthinking, I think. Let me explain. We tend to have a running narrative in our heads, often involving feeling guilty or worrying. Huh, there's a big surprise, right? We can also often get ourselves so far down a rabbit hole that we make Alice's Adventures in Wonderland look like a run to the grocery store. Now, in last week's episode, I talked about trusting your gut, going with the feeling of what's right in a situation. When we overthink, we block out much of that intuitive conversation coming from our heart, our gut, our soul, wherever it is that our intuitive conversation originates. We're so busy with the words that we forget to check in with the feelings. And since these words, most of which, remember, we don't even realize are going on, looping in our head in seven directions at once, we get hung up on the words and we end up not being able to make any decision at all. That's called paralysis by analysis, and it, it can hurt your relationship with your horse. Now, if you're a novice horse owner, it's normal to want, want to learn all that you can, and please continue to do so. Even as somebody who's had horses for over 50 years, I am constantly learning. 
but I try to integrate that learning in some physical sense. I'm currently working on connection training with my mare, and along with the excellent online videos are several PDFs to download and read. Now, having ADHD means that I don't always process paragraph after paragraph of text that well. Ironic for a writer, right? Especially one who can write at length on any subject you give me. As I discussed in last week's episode, horses start with why. So if we utilize that why first thinking, it's going to be a lot easier to communicate with our horse than trying to keep a list of 17 bullet points in our head but losing the overall benefit of the activity. What I focus on is the overall purpose of the exercise, the why first, and then I add in the how and the what details. While I do focus on the bigger picture, I find it helpful to make notes of some of the details and keep the notes in my pocket. And that way I don't have to try to remember all of them, but I do have them available. If you'd like to learn more about the connection training program that I am going through, I will put a link in the show notes below. Um, it's a great program. It's run by a mother-daughter team from the UK. So to finish up this uh, overthinking, take a page from your horse's notebook. Their instinct has kept them from becoming extinct. So make sure you turn in, tune into the bigger picture Rather, rather than letting all of those individual thoughts get you stuck and just trust your gut. And now, on to some helping strategies. Breathing. Yeah, breathing, believe it or not, is one of the best ways to help you start the journey to being friends with yourself. I can tell you're thinking, uh, of course, because if you stop breathing, your relationship with yourself and everybody else is going to get cut short. Anyway, it's conscious breathing that I'm talking about here. Guilt, worry, and overthinking all tend to grow in proportion to the amount of free reign they're given. And remember, most of the time, these thoughts and feelings are running under the surface. We're not even aware enough of them to begin to shut them down. By adding conscious breathing to your toolkit, you have an aid that can help with those out-of-control saboteurs. Example, taking a few square breaths, which is inhaling for the count of four, then hold for the count of four, exhale for the count of four, hold for the count of four, and repeat. That can immediately help your amygdala turn down the panic level, which in turn will lessen the physical signs of stress resulting in further calming of the amygdala. And within a few minutes, you've taken yourself out of that stress loop. Now, you can make this breathing tool even more useful for yourself if you make a list of things that you know trigger you, like going for a trail ride with a new group or riding down super steep hills or taking a lesson at a new barn. Before you start one of these activities, remind yourself that you have a secret weapon against the stress. And the best thing about it is that it is always with you. And that is your breath. Now, you can amplify the effectiveness of conscious breathing even more by using the second helpful strategy I'm going to tell you about, which is visualizations. It can be hard in the moment to pull your mind back up out of that rabbit hole, but with a little practice, you can greatly increase the odds of success. So how do you practice this kind of stuff ahead of time? Hmm, glad you asked. Visualizations. By creating a vivid picture in your mind of the trigger situation, complete with physical and emotional feelings and as many sensory details as you can include, 
you can actually train your brain to initiate a stress release response. So to start with, let's imagine that you're going to go out on that trail ride with some new friends, but you've never ridden with them before. So what do you feel right off? Excited? Nervous? Are you worried about not being good enough for them or about your horse misbehaving? So where do you feel it in your body? Are your shoulders tight? Is your breathing shallow? Once you gauge your reaction, imagine the same situation, again, in very great detail. But practice visualizing your horse being calm, you being relaxed, and having a really fun ride with a bunch of non-judgmental new friends. Regular use of visualizations not only helps with horse-related issues, but it's also kind of useful if you have repetitive day-to-day stressors as well, like your long commute or coming home to dirty dishes in the sink because nobody bothered to unload the clean ones from the dishwasher. Anyway, whatever. The point is to really begin to learn your triggers and response patterns and then use breathing and visualization exercises to help you write a different outcome. Ever heard of that saying, perception is reality? Well, if you can change your perception, you really can change your reality. Remembering to breathe and creating visualizations doesn't happen overnight, but neither, neither does anything else except dirty dishes appearing in the sink or, to use a horsey analogy, poop in the water bucket. But with practice, you'll learn that you really can make the changes necessary to stop being your own worst enemy. Now, if you have any questions or you would like to stay in touch, you can find me on Instagram at The Horsey Life Coach. I'm on Facebook at The Horsey Life. Or pop over and visit my website at thehorseylife.com. So I want to thank you for spending some time with me this week and listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Look forward to seeing you next week. And in the meantime, go do something fun with your horse. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Find Yourself on a Horse, the podcast. Want more information and inspiration just for horsewomen? Hop over to thehorseylife.com slash toolkit and grab your free copy of the 10-minute toolkit, a collection of powerful portable exercises I've put together to help you live your best horsey life. <music>